Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts, Kathy and Karen. Today we will discuss episode 59 of Ho Gong Jin Huan Zhuan, Empresses in the Palace. We are in the last stretch of the drama, I would say, where Jin Huan, our main character, is essentially coming back to the palace, solidifying allies and uh, wrecking things up for her enemies. But uh, we will see that it's not smooth sailing for her. In this episode, there's quite a bit that happens, or at least many players are involved with various bombshells. The episode starts off with uh, the aftermath of the evening spent together between Shen Meizhuang and Wen Shichu in the last episode. She, an imperial concubine, and he, an imperial doctor. We don't need to tell you, but this is a huge no-no. A huge scandal. But she is in love with him, even though she knows the doctor is in love with her best friend and his childhood friend, Jin Huan. Anyways, the doctor comes to check in on Shen Meizhuang to realize she is um, pregnant. He is dumbfounded whereas she is actually very happy to have her suspicions confirmed. And we know that he has to be the father because she has not spent the evening with the emperor in years. Poor doctor. He has so many secrets to keep. His love child is going to pass off as the emperor's, and he has been caring for Jin Huan's secret love children as well. Shemidrong is lucky that Wen Shichu is her personal doctor, as opposed to anyone else. Otherwise, she would be totally screwed. Well, in order for her to protect her child, Shen Meizhuang wastes no time in acting the same plan as Jin Huan. Make the emperor think that the child is his. Her plan is so simple that Su Peisheng, the emperor's main eunuch, is like, where did the sun come up from? She pretty much stopped on the road where the emperor normally takes after going to court and says a few things that invokes nostalgic feelings between the two and also invites him over to her residence for some tea. He happily obliges. Later that evening, he requests that she spends the night. That was really simple, right? That afternoon, Jin Huan, our main character, wastes no time in congratulating Shen Meizhuang during a sisterly chat. Notice the words that Shen Meizhuang uses, though. She says that people still need to survive in the palace. It has nothing to do with changing her outlook or her behavior. Of course, she's hiding a secret. Little does she know, Jin Huan is hiding the same secret. Wow, isn't that funny? Best friends using the emperor for the same purpose... It is also fantastic to see that Shimenzhuang is not worried she won't get the affections of the emperor. She knows that he still harbors interest in her, plus the empress dowager, whom she is very close with, is always putting good words in for her. She, Shimenzhuang, just says a few words and voila, the emperor requests that she spends the night. Look at that confidence. You go, girl. I appreciate that she now has the maturity to play the game very easily, but doesn't do so in a condescending or childish manner. 
she is very classy in how she approaches the emperor. This also tells me that if the emperor never treated her so poorly in the beginning of her time uh, in the palace, she would probably be very powerful and favored now by the emperor, meaning her position and standing would be probably higher than she has now. And even so, we must commend her for already being a royal concubine, even though she doesn't spend any time with the emperor whatsoever. In the next scene, we are outside at a pagoda where Shen Meichuang, Zhen Huan, Ning Guiren, and the emperor are having a meal outside. Shen Meichuang asks the emperor for the same plum drink as Zhen Huan. The emperor says, no, you can drink alcohol. This is when Shen Meizhuang reveals that she is two months pregnant. Ta-da! The emperor is utterly shocked and extremely pleased. There haven't been new children produced in the palace for several years, and suddenly two of his concubines are pregnant? What are the odds? That is such fantastic news. Uh, we, the audience, are all chuckling because none of those children are his. Plus, it seems that it's easier to fake that his those children are his than to actually uh, get pregnant by him. <laughs> The emperor says something very interesting in response to Shen Meizhuang's news. He says that the chrysanthemums bloomed very early this year. Originally, he thought it was going to be um, an ominous sign, but now he knows that it was actually to welcome good news. Remember, we've always said that Shen Meizhuang is the chrysanthemum flower. This theme has returned here. It's only been, what, two months and... The emperor now has a full-on mustache and full-on kind of beard now. Goatee. Goatee. Uh, I guess this is to show that he's aging. Um, but it, it's kind of like weird that he decided to grow it in like the span of two months. The news that these two friends are pregnant at the same time spreads fast. There are those who are genuinely happy for Shen Meizhuang and Jin Huan such as Qingfei and the Empress Dowager, whereas the Empress is probably fuming. Fortunately for both of these ladies, the trusty Wen Shichu has been tasked with taking care of their pregnancies. And thank God, because otherwise uh, their secrets would have been revealed. The fact that Jin Huan has twins would have been leaked like ASAP if uh, it was not for Wen Shichu. While Qingfei, the good friend of both Jin Huan and Shen Meizhuang, and the adoptive mother of Jin Huan's first daughter, are out for a walk in the palace where they bump into a napping Su Peisheng. He's startled by their arrival and accidentally drops a pouch. Qingfei picks it up and comments how delicate the embroidery is. She jokes that this looks like Jingxi's handiwork. Of course, we know that it is most likely her gift to him. Unfortunately, Jingxi also slips up here because she says thank you to Jingfei's compliments. So although she doesn't acknowledge it's hers, this sort of does, and this plays a lot into what happens later on. Well, at this point, Jingfei doesn't make a fuss and the ladies all carry on. Afterwards, back at Shimei Zhuang's palace, she's embroidering a cap for her unborn child. And who shows up for a visit? None other than An Ling Rong. 
Shen Mejong and Jin Huan's frenemy. They have a pretty non-confrontational interaction where An Lingrong helps Shen Meizhuang with some embroidery. But the next day, when the emperor visits Shen Meizhuang, he comments how she looks very frail. She and her maid mention that perhaps it may have been An Lingrong's visit that may have caused her uh, frailty. So the emperor swiftly sends orders that An Lingrong is no longer able to visit Shen Meizhuang. Remember, An Lingrong technically is under house arrest or is supposed to be uh, secluded because she is uh, negative energy as proposed by the imperial astronomers. I can't tell if Shen Meizhuang is faking this or if An Lingrong was purposefully trying to harm Shen Meizhuang somehow, but the results is positive. With An Lingrong, you never know. She may have been carrying some type of fragrance pouch with musk on it to damage Shen Meizhuang's pregnancy. At least now, Shen Meizhuang is able to avoid An Lingrong with a legitimate excuse. She knows An Lingrong is dangerous, and this provides her with some cover from this formidable adversary. Why is it that the emperor never seems to sit straight? That's definitely an acting choice, but it just makes the Emperor seem so small and frail. I noticed it in the last episode, he just seems tired. If I was a woman, um, I'd definitely try to hook up with a younger man. <laughs> wow, Kathy. Wow. <laughs> Back to Fei's palace. She is teaching her adoptive daughter, Long Yue, to read. It is such a cute scene. Remember, though, Long Yue is Jin Huan's birth daughter, whom she gave to Jing Fei to raise because Jin Huan left to go to the nunnery. But the bond between Long Yue and Jing Fei is very strong. Jing Fei, in particular, loves Long Yue deeply. The fourth prince, or Jin Huan's adoptive son, arrives to pick Long Yue up and head to their mother's palace for their morning greeting. Qing Fei reluctantly agrees to let her go, but she's worried that this is all part of Jin Huan's plot to take back her daughter. She's standing at her palace doors, wiping away tears, and who just so happens to see this scene? Jian Chou, the head maid for the Empress. Hmm, well that can't be too good. Also, can someone explain to me why Jian Chou is even there? Plot reasons, I guess, but still. Sure enough, Jian Qiu leads Jing Fei straight to the Empress. We don't see their conversation, but we'll know exactly what was said. In due time. Jin Huan summons the good doctor Wen Shuchu to remind him of a few things, ranging from her pregnancy to Shen Meizhuang's pregnancy. This is so funny. Uh, Wen Shuchu knows both of these children or all of these children are not the Emperor's children. And he's just like, oh my god, how do I keep this secret? Poor guy is pretty distraught, though, about Shen Meizhuang's situation. He doesn't disclose anything, but asks for forgiveness. Buddy, that ship has long sailed. You're hitched to Shen Meizhuang, okay? Right after he leaves, the Empress leads a whole entourage to Jin Huan's palace. The entourage includes Duan Fei and Jing Fei. Jing Fei we've just seen, but Duan Fei isn't usually out and about. All three consorts are now present, which means that whatever is about to happen is serious. Jing Fei is looking quite dodgy. She keeps glancing down. 
The Empress gets straight to the point. Shu is forbidden in the Imperial Palace. It's inconceivable that there are examples in the palace, but I have proof. She believes, or points out, Jin Huan's maid Jing Xi and the Emperor's head eunuch Su Peisheng have this sort of relationship. We discussed at length the practice of Dui Shi. Check out our discussion on episodes 52 and 53 for a refresher. It is the practice of establishing a relationship between a eunuch and a maid. As mentioned, this is strictly forbidden in the palace during the Qing Dynasty, or as they say, uh, for this drama. In previous dynasties, uh, this was quite a common occurrence. The Empress has her maid bring out evidence. It is the same pouch we saw earlier that the eunuch Su Peisheng dropped. Jin Huan acknowledges that it looks like Jin Xi's handiwork. The Empress deliberately brings Jing Fei forward to tell the story, which she does. Jing Fei just recounts their earlier encounter with Su Peisheng. She very timidly squeaks out the rules that eunuchs are not allowed to have gifts from maids. Jin Huan tries to wave it away, but the Empress closes in for the kill. The pouch itself is fine, but the embroidery on the pouch is very clear. Liu Ye He Xin or Willow leaves, which is meant for a lover. That hints to an actual relationship between the two, which we're going to reiterate again is not allowed. The Empress immediately orders a thorough search of Qing Xi's quarters, and poor Jin Huan is helpless to watch. Uh oh, this could be bad. And indeed, it is really bad for Qing Xi. They straight up find a box with a really inappropriate image on it. I guess it's like the modern day equivalent of sending inappropriate photos. This actually was quite shocking to me. This is as like raunchy as the show will get. The Empress is furious, quote unquote furious at these findings. She will take swift action against these perpetrators of filth and dishonor in the palace. You know deep down though that she is relishing in this slip up from Jin Huan's team and cannot wait to remove one of her lieutenants. And Jing Xi is one of Jin Huan's most trusted allies or lieutenants. Jin Huan calmly tries to request that she herself punish Jing Xi, but the Empress dismisses that attempt, coldly stating that she will clean up the palace as she is the Empress. I mean, that's fair. The Empress haughtily leaves Jin Huan's palace with the entourage. She is probably super excited right now, and it all it looks pretty dire for Jing Xi. I love Jin Huan's response after the Empress leaves. Jin Huan knows the Empress was just waiting for an opening and took it. Jin Huan can't let anything happen to Jing Xi, or else she is next. I mean, also she very much loves her loyal servant, so she wants to protect her. But there's also the political ramifications if she lets Jing Xi die. Jin Huan immediately heads towards the emperor's palace. We see that Su Peisheng isn't there anymore, so something must have happened. Sure enough, the emperor already knows about this and has dismissed the eunuch. Upon hearing that the emperor already knows about the situation, Jin Huan doesn't request for clemency on behalf of Jing Xi. Instead, she apologizes for the embarrassment. 
As she rightly explains to Huanbi outside of the emperor's study, the empress would have pounced if she heard that Jin Huan tried to persuade the emperor to release Jin Xi. After seeing these developments, Jin Huan decides to head over to Shen Xingsi. In the drama, Shen Xingsi is a Qing Dynasty agency specializing in punishment. We'll discuss this in the analysis portion of the episode. Chen Huan visiting Shen Xingsi is a really big gesture, though because she is pregnant and a concubine, or a consort, that is in favor. Not many masters would have tried to save their servants in these situations, which shows why Jing Xi is so loyal to Jin Huan. I mean, Jin Huan is indeed going all out for Jing Xi. For her crimes, Jing Xi has been sentenced to hard labor there. That's crazy fast. Didn't the whole thing happen just that morning? I think this is a bug in the drama on like the timeline. I also do applaud Jin Huan's rationale and decision to go. She needs to protect Jing Xi. If she goes to Shen Xingsi, others will think twice about harming or poisoning or straight up killing Jing Xi. Jin Huan coldly states, I've already gone to the cold palace twice. What can Shen Xingsi do to me? I'm pregnant, so nothing should happen to me. You go, girl. If only everyone could have a boss or a master like her. She heads over with Huan Bi and her eunuch Xiao Yunzi, but even she isn't prepared for what she sees. Jing Xi and several other ladies are currently punished to pound rice for hours at a time, in addition to other forms of hard labor. The ladies only sleep four hours a night, given very poor sleeping conditions, and basically left to die. Though I will say what's shown on screen is relatively clean. Jin Xi is shocked to see Jin Huan. She tearfully begs Jin Huan to sacrifice herself, Jin Xi. The opportunity to return back to the palace was hard-earned for Jin Huan, and she, Jin Huan, can't risk saving her, Jin Xi, and losing everything. This is so touching. Jin Xi is so loyal. Jin Huan correctly points out, though, that sacrificing Jin Xi does nothing for them and plays directly into their enemy's hands. Jin Huan promises to find a way to rescue Jin Xi. We find out that even under torture, the eunuch Su Peisheng did not divulge his relationship to Jin Xi. That is really, really touching. He could have totally ratted her out, but Jin Xi even admits that she is touched. She didn't really think much of this relationship at first, but now she's had a change of heart towards Su Peisheng. Su Peisheng is a eunuch, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have feelings and is very true to Jing Xi and tries to protect her. Jin Huan tells Jing Xi to sit tight. She'll do everything she can to save them. Jin Huan's brilliance in playing harem politics is now on display, or her growth. After seeing Jing Xi in Shen Xingsi, her next stop is actually to Duanfei's palace. Duanfei is one of the oldest concubines in the palace and became an ally of Jin Huan in order to help take down the powerful and arrogant Hua Fei in the first half of the drama. But I don't think the emperor knows they're good friends. Duanfei, true to her title, which means level-headed and refined, is a gentle-mannered woman but is not simple nor stupid. She knows that there's chaos at Jin Huan's palace. 
Jin Huan comes out directly to say she wants to save Jingxi and Su Peisheng. But the interesting part is that she focuses on Su Peisheng rather than Jingxi. Duanfei cares more for the emperor than Jin Huan's personal maid, which is why Jin Huan continuously focuses on how the emperor will not be able to function properly without his trusted eunuch by his side. Not long after this conversation, Huang Shang, the emperor, comes to visit Duanfei. It's pretty interesting to see that Jin Huan knew he would visit Duanfei for a discussion and planned accordingly. He notices that Duanfei is reading Mengzi or Mengxius. This is telling us, the audience, that she is quite educated. And we'll discuss this in the analysis portion of our episode. But she brings up how, in reading this text, she realizes that the Mengxius scholar or Confucius scholar, Zhu Xi, is someone who has no empathy or feelings. His teachings are counter to what the emperor decrees throughout his dynasty. Her words immediately cause the emperor to be suspicious. So he asks her if she has recently seen anyone. He clearly is wondering if she has spoken to the likes of Jin Huan because he can sense that this conversation is steering towards the drama between uh, Su Peisheng and Jingxi. She lies and says that she is generally frail and doesn't like to gossip. The emperor knows this. Who would she see? The emperor is quite appeased by this answer. So he actually asks her opinion on the whole matter between Jingxi and Su Peisheng. I have a feeling that Duanfei would have helped Jin Huan regardless, but after her visit, Duanfei further uses her own method to try to convince the emperor that the situation is not as bad as the empress Huang He makes it out to be. She appeals to the emperor's empathy and highlights how these two, Jingxi and Su Peisheng, haven't done anything to cause drama in the palace. One of the reasons why relationships between uh, maids and eunuchs are banned is because they, in previous dynasties, have caused almost downfalls of the entire dynasty, which is why they're banned. Here, though, Duanfei is saying the two haven't done anything like that. All they're doing is spending time together to help with their loneliness in the palace. It's possible that all of the palaces have such instances of eunuchs pairing with maids. Does the emperor really want to kill everyone? The emperor overall seems still to be mulling her response over. She, in her intelligent move, comes in with a final thought that does seem to impact the needle. The two pregnancies in the palace. Duanfei highlights how both Shen Meizhuang and Zhen Huan are pregnant right now, so it's not good to have killings in the palace. They can't handle it. The emperor immediately agrees to this and says he appreciates the conversation with Duanfei. The episode ends with the emperor leaving her palace, but not before she stops him to suggest that he should drink some chrysanthemum tea for his dried lips. You can clearly tell that she cares deeply for the emperor, but can only show her love in such simple ways, which also makes it important why Jin Huan was hinting at how uh, uncomfortable the emperor would be without Su Peisheng there to tend to him. But once again, we see how the emperor is such an inconsiderate asshole. All he does to her words is pat her on the shoulder and give her a squeeze. Come on, man. 
The only other, I guess, notable scene in this episode is that the Empress, now fully on attack mode against Jin Huan, visits Qi Guiren, who is currently under house arrest. In the last episode, Qi Guiren got demoted from being a royal concubine to now just being a noble lady because of her abusive antics. Qi Guiren hates Jin Huan for causing her demotion and is fully ready to work with the Empress to enact revenge. And the Empress says, okay, I will do what I can to get you out of house arrest. Well, that was the episode recap. Now on to some analysis for the day. Today, there are a few items we do want to discuss. The first is Shen Xingsi. Shen Xingsi is, like I said, a Qing Dynasty agency, and you can think of it as like an office of punishment or torture, depending. It was originally called Shangfangsi. The name was changed in 1655 to Shangfang Yuan, and finally Shen Xingsi in 1677. Shen Xingsi has a few roles, and its primary one was to enforce punishment for the crimes from the upper three banners made up of the bordered yellow banner, the plain yellow banner, and the plain white banner. It also, of course, was in charge of punishment and torture of eunuchs and maids. We have heard Shen Xingsi mentioned throughout the show, and it will continue to pop up. It's a deadly and dangerous place. Like we said earlier, Xingxi's punishment right now is quite PG, but others will not be so lucky. The torture enacted in Shen Xingxi is akin to, if not worse, than what was experienced in European medieval torture chambers, and this agency had a lot of authority to enact punishment however it wanted to. From whippings, to stabbing people's fingers with needles, to hard labor, to beheadings, this place can be considered hell on earth and is most definitely a scary place everyone tries to avoid. The next bit of interesting history is about the Neo-Confucian scholar Zhu Xi. Duanfei has a copy of Mengzi or Mengxius, but the major conversation between her and the emperor actually revolves around the scholar Zhu Xi, so let's talk about him. Zhu Xi is a Song Dynasty scholar, philosopher, and calligrapher. Born in 1133, he is one of the founders of the Chengzhu school of Neo-Confucianism, which Duanfei mentions. It is also known as the Rationalistic School. His writings and commentaries of the four books form the basis of the civil service curriculum and exams for 600 years. That's very impressive. For his contributions, he has a memorial tablet in the Confucian temple at Qufu and is venerated as one of the 12 philosophers of Confucianism. He is the only philosopher who was not a direct disciple of Confucius who enjoys that status. The specific line that is debated in this drama is A central teaching of Zhu Xi. My translation of this is to keep natural law and eliminate all desires. In the drama, Duanfei criticizes Zhu Xi for being too heartless because of this line. Mengxius wrote or that male and female should dwell together is the greatest of human relations. This is natural. 
Zhu Xi, however, is advocating to rid of desire. These are in direct conflict. Duanfei believes Zhu Xi's teachings lack empathy and do not reflect what the emperor wants to convey for his empire. She is trying to portray the relationship between Su Peisheng and Jin Xi as a normal one, and that the rulers in the imperial palace should show some empathy towards this relationship, which I applaud. I personally don't think that ridding all desire is what Zhu Xi meant. Yes, he did focus on vital force and principle over desire, but I don't think he meant like ridding all desire. I am not a philosopher, so someone can definitely correct me on this, but this is my understanding. Well, that only scratches the surface for juicy and more monkish teachings. I'm sure there are plenty of other things that can be said, but not for this episode. That is all for today. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you have any comments or questions, as always, please email us at karenandkathy at chasingdramas.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at chasingdramas. We will catch you in the next episode.